first ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great. How are you, Cameron? I'm doing very well. Um, are you excited about the NFL season? Because the schedule was just released. I we am. We were talking about maybe trying to catch a Chiefs game. Yeah, I, uh, I love football season. It's, it's really fun. And uh, now that the Chiefs are good, uh, it makes the NFL season a lot more entertaining. And I'd like to see, I mean, obviously we'll have uh, some maybe some Drew Locke uh, hype to get behind this year if he has a chance to uh, to lead a team this year. So have some, some fun things to uh, pay attention to. Yeah, that's going to be a, uh, whatever team drafts Drew Locke is going to be a lot of Mizzou fans' second favorite team if they're Chiefs yeah, fans or whatever. Probably so. And maybe not if he goes to the Broncos, though. Mm, yeah, you're probably right. Um, I I don't think I've ever said on the podcast that I'm actually a um, Carolina Panthers fan. And so I like the Chiefs, though. I mean, they're not in the same conference, so it doesn't really hurt to root for the Chiefs. So and, what's the team you don't want to see him go to? Like, what, uh, what the team you hate or whatever? Like, I, w- I would never... I mean, it's not going to happen, but I would never want him to go to the Saints or the Falcons. Gotcha. Um, I was, like, kind of on an island when everybody kind of liked the Saints this past year. It was kind of like a feel-good team, and I was like, eh, I don't like the Saints. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, kind of by myself on that. Yeah. Um, I like Drew Brees, but I don't, I don't like the Saints. I got you. I understand. But uh, if we do go to a game, uh, it'll be interesting because we will have probably three big Chiefs fans, two Broncos fans, and I would have to buy a Carolina Panthers jersey and to wear up there. <laughs> so I don't know if I would buy a Cam Newton one or uh, thinking maybe uh, McCaffrey. Yeah, I jersey. like McCaffrey. Yeah, he's good. Anyway, uh, we've actually got quite a bit of news. Um, some mizzou related some sec news and just college sports overall so we can just jump right into that uh big news that came out just a couple hours ago is that uh, mizzou football got a big commit uh jay macklin uh, cousin of former tiger jeremy macklin another wide receiver who committed to the tigers today yes uh yeah that's big news i think we kind of always knew in our hearts that Jay Macklin would end up at Mizzou, um, but it's still good to see for sure that he's coming. It's uh, it's also good to hear him say things like, Mizzou is my dream school, and uh, he's not your typical uh, St. Louis prospect, I guess, because of his his ties, his family ties, but it's still, anytime you get a uh, St. Louis recruit saying that Missouri is his home, is uh, his dream school, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good, good thing. So... What kind of player are we getting really in him? I mean, is this, I, I, just based on like recruiting rankings and stuff, it seems like probably a guy you're not going to expect expect a lot out of early. But I get, I could be wrong in that. Right, he's not. He's probably not the explosive athlete that Jeremy was. I, he may come in with uh, maybe some unrealistic expectations just because of his last name. Um, but yeah, he, he's probably going to play in the slot at Missouri. Um, he kind of plays everywhere right now at Kirkwood. Um, I think probably mo- he might play mostly outside, but he also shared uh, the wide receiver room uh, with another wide receiver who is now currently at Missouri with uh, with uh, Maurice Massey. So um, this will be his his senior year. His senior year, so it'll give him a chance to maybe show what he's got a little bit more. Um, so we might get a better look at him this upcoming year. But I, I think I would agree with you that uh, he has a chance to be a really good player, but probably not right off the bat. All right, so uh, I've got a lot of basketball news here. Uh, First things first, um, K.J. Santos transferred from Missouri. Um, This is not something that a lot of people saw coming necessarily uh, just because he came in as a transfer. You don't usually see guys transfer twice. Um, But uh, we all know he struggled pretty mightily this year uh, for Missouri and never quite really found his, his place on the team. And didn't really produce like a lot of people hoped he would. Um, and then decided to transfer. So big news as far as the basketball team goes because you just don't have that many players. So when some, when somebody transfers, it's kind of a big deal. Um, but luckily for the team, uh, the two transfers that they've seen in the last um, year or so have both been from the bottom of the depth chart. So that's at least a silver lining there. Yeah, um, whenever you look at... Uh, if, you, if you're just looking at numbers, um, you're not really looking at maybe the situations behind the numbers. You definitely think 
Uh, this makes sense as far as a transfer goes, but you're but you're right when you start to really dive into uh, where he came from and and his specific situation. It is it's a little surprising. Uh, if you would have told us a year ago that he was going to transfer, uh, I think we'd be surprised by that because he was a he was a Conzo Martin recruit, uh, and and you're right he had already transferred once. Uh, so this kind of seemed like his final resting place for the next three years of his college career, and I think definitely everybody hoped and expected that to be the case. Um, but then he got hurt and never really seemed to recover. And we saw maybe flashes of athleticism, maybe some flashes of potential. But just at times, we also saw him looking just completely lost and maybe even disinterested. So uh, I don't know. It was, it was a really, really interesting scenario with him this year. So I know that NCAA rules are kind of hard to decipher sometimes. But the way I've always understood it is guys have five years to play four and he already sat out a season had a red shirt season when he uh, transferred so unless i'm mistaken he would have to transfer down out of division one to be able to play right away um, if he transferred to another division one school you know typically the way we see it happen is um, he'd have to sit out a season if he sat out a season he would He'd lose a year. He would just completely lose a year of eligibility. Yeah. And then only have his senior year left to play. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he he played his freshman year at uh, Illinois Chicago, uh, then transferred to a JUCO where I don't believe he actually ever played because that's where he redshirted. He right. redshirted there and didn't play so he could have three years of eligibility at Missouri, which was like great. Yeah. That was great at the time. Um, but now you're right. Now that he's already used that that year of, el- of of eligibility or that redshirt year yeah he's if he were to sit out another year it would uh, it would not count as a redshirt year obviously yeah. so i mean it makes so that, me wonder if he'll transfer down a level and then maybe look to transfer back up right um or something like that or i mean we've seen waivers granted in the past just this past year with mark smith so i'm sure conzo will do whatever he can to facilitate that um but I, I've seen a lot of people talking about the roster implications w- because of the transfer for Missouri side, but I haven't really seen anybody explaining what uh, what KJ's plan is, and he maybe doesn't know himself, but he'll have to figure that out. And I would not be shocked if we saw him go down a level and try to put together a really nice season at a lower level and then maybe transfer back up to a mid-major or something like that. Yeah, and knowing that fact that he's going to lose a year of eligibility – um, unless he goes down, makes you really question or wonder what the situation was maybe behind the closed doors. Um, did he kind of feel the pressure, like, I got to get out of here because I just don't feel like I can succeed here? Uh, you know, it, it's so interesting to wonder uh, ultimately why he transferred because yeah. it would have to be a pretty bad situation to know that you're pro- you might lose a year of eligibility just to get out of there. Exactly. So I don't I don't think I'm not speculating necessarily that I'm not saying Conzo pushed him out, uh, but he probably was feeling the pressure of, uh, of maybe feeling like he should leave. I don't yeah. know. I really don't know. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'd love to sit down with somebody sometime that maybe has gone through part of this process and just somebody that has transferred from a Division One um, as a scholarship athlete and just see like like what's the process there? Like how do you go about it? And I'm sure it's different for different coaches and different programs but that's always something that's fascinated me and you just it's not really something you hear about very much you don't get that firsthand account very often of what the situation is right we want to believe that it's all uh just unicorns and rainbows but (laughs) you know and Kanza's a you know seemingly a great guy um but he's he's leading a division one high major program with uh you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line for his salary and he wants to do anything he can to succeed and sometimes uh it may not be pretty uh how we got to get there exactly um next up on my news list the this was actually this actually already happened last week but we forgot to mention it but um maybe not too many people are excited about this but we always are the 2020 bass pro tournament of champions field was announced and the thing that we are very interested in is the fact that Vashon High School got the invite and they will be coming down to Springfield for the Tournament of Champions. So that means Cameron Fletcher, a really high priority target for the class of 2020 for Mizzou basketball, 
will be here in Springfield. We'll get to see him, and this will be presumably after he has committed to a school because the vast majority of the time players have already committed by the time January rolls around. Yeah, it would be pretty special to see him commit to Missouri and then get to watch him in the Tournament of Champions. I would really like to avoid a uh, EJ Liddell-like situation <laughs> and this year and have to uh, watch him go off on everybody and know he's not going to your school. Yeah, and it would be – I mean, we saw – we talked about it a little bit uh, back in January how we had access to the players. I mean, basically whoever we wanted to talk to, we could have. And uh, we thought we were going to get to talk to Trey Jackson, but obviously he wasn't there. And it would be really cool if Fletcher committed to Missouri and then we were able to talk to him. Yeah, that would get be – an exclusive interview for the podcast. That would be fantastic. Best case would. scenario, easily. Um, I was looking to see if there's any other – noteworthy oh yeah greenwood um is also uh, greenwood from springfield is going to be in the tournament uh they have a 2021 player named aminu muhammad and he's like top 10 in his class five-star guy according to espn and 24 7 sports uh we i watched him play in the class two uh state championship game and uh, maybe i saw him in the in the semifinal i'm not sure but he had a he had a decent game. Uh, he had a double-double of like uh, 35 points and 21 rebounds or something like that. <laughs> and, of it's course, decent. definitely inferior competition, but there will not be any inferior competition in the uh, Tournament Champions. And I honestly, I don't know that I've ever seen a Class 2, Missouri Class 2 school compete in the tournament of champions no i think that that's a first because i think catholic played in it this year and they're class, they're class three. three and yeah. i don't think they had ever been in it before right so i'm pretty sure that's a first so you're gonna see in that that very first game because even with a player like muhammad the greenwood's still going to be you know matched up against some of the top teams in the first round so that first round matchup might be it'll be interesting to see him go up against other five-star guys but also the team around him, I think, is not going to be able to hold their own against a no. uh, your typical, um, like, high caliber um, tournament of champions team. That because the local teams usually in the first round are playing the one or two seed. They don't actually seed them, but you can kind of figure out what the seeding is based on matchups. And usually, the team that wins the whole thing plays one of the local teams in the first round. So that'll be very interesting. Um, some other schools, Booker T. Washington from Tulsa, Christ the King uh, from New York, and they actually, they actually have a, a 2021 recruit that played in last year's tournament um, for a different school. And then the big one, Oak Hill, is back in the tournament. They um, are three-time champions of the Bass Pro Tournament of Champions, so they won it in 2015 2016 and then in 2018 and um, presumably 2020 yeah most likely yeah i think i think they've been in it three times and won it three times so they're pretty sure they're undefeated but uh st louis vachon that'll be really exciting to watch and it'll be interesting to see cam fletcher kind of lead the team because he'll be he'll be one of the seniors on that team and of course the whole time he's been there, he's had Mario McKinney as main, the vocal leader, and um, they've kind of shared the spotlight a little bit this past year, but he'll kind of be on his own. It'll be really interesting to see, I think, how he leads the team. Mm-hmm. Um, some more high school uh, or recruit talk. Um, Caleb Love, uh, we've talked about him plenty on this podcast. He has an in-home visit scheduled with Missouri for May 1st, so another really high priority target for 2024 Missouri. Uh, we got to see him play down here in Springfield in the class five championship against, uh, Rockbridge yep. uh, where they lost to that group of seniors that are all going to Missouri state from rock Rockbridge. But, uh, Caleb love was really impressive. Every time I've seen any tape of him, he's just incredible to watch just, uh, physically, exactly what you want out of a a guard at any level yeah he's one of the most polished high school players i think i've seen ever maybe yeah and uh would be huge for the class of 2020 or any class in missouri program history to land a kid like that from st louis 
But uh, he, I saw an interview with him recently uh, where he said that he's been reached, uh, that some of the schools that have reached out to them, to him, like Duke and North Carolina and Virginia. And he said it's kind of cool to hear from the defending champions. So it, we've said it multiple times on here that these, these recruits that Conzo's going after, even though they're from St. Louis, um, they're in state. It's just going to be a struggle, and we're not going to know what's going to happen with them for a really long time. But it'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch them play wherever they go. We just really hope it's at Missouri. Yeah. Um, another visit to talk about is a 2021 uh, big man named Brian Will- Brian Matthews. Uh, he's taking an unofficial visit to Missouri on May 3rd. Brian Williams, you almost said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, I don't know much about him, but um, it is interesting to see some interest kind of pick up for a big man because um, we all we have right now is Jeremiah Tillman and Reed Nico for one more season. So, you know, that there's going to have to be some recruitment of a big man here shortly, and there's a name to kind of keep track of, but still super early, obviously. Yeah, I think I still would, I don't know, well, I think I still would feel maybe a little more secure if we got some kind of big man in a transfer situation or grad transfer. I don't really know. I don't know what the plan is, but uh, at some point, yeah, you're right. We're going to have to start recruiting some some big guys, so this is good to see. Uh, another, speaking of transfers, um, Eric Williams Jr., who we talked about last week, a transfer from Duquesne, um, cut his list to just two schools, Oregon and Missouri. He is going to, tra- to take a trip to Oregon here soon. He already took a visit to Missouri, and so it's just those two schools. So you got to feel pretty good about Missouri's chances with him. Yeah, I think it's been official that uh, that he's cut his list down to, to Missouri and Oregon, and um, it's good that Missouri got the first visit. I think that's that's a big uh, indicator that Missouri might have the leg up. Also, uh, Oregon is in on a lot of transfers right now. They're they're very clearly going after some transfer guys. Um, so that could be maybe a, uh, a detriment to their chances with, with Eric, um, Eric Williams. Um, if he sees there's, if they're going to take other transfers, if there's just a lot of competition, then he might feel uh, like he doesn't want to be a part of that situation. He really honestly seems to be the one and only primary target for Missouri right now. Yeah, I think it's always nice when a player visits your school and then immediately trims their list. <laughs> right. Because they saw something there that made them think, okay, I... I need. I don't even need to see as many schools as I yeah. thought. Yeah. And so that's always nice to see. Yeah, I definitely feel good about Missouri landing him, but uh, he still has to take his trip to Oregon. So we'll see. Yeah, Oregon obviously has really nice facilities, really nice program, yeah. all that. So. Yeah, they are. They're well coached as well. They've they've got a good program. So I don't know, Kyle, how much you saw about this, but um, we talked a little bit about last week how Rick Barnes is staying staying put at Tennessee. He did not take the UCLA job, but have you seen some of the quotes and stuff that have come out surrounding Rick Barnes? He's been asked a little bit about his uh, flirtation with UCLA. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, um, he was asked uh, in an interview about you know what the deal was with UCLA, and he basically said uh, if UCLA would have paid his buyout, he'd be the coach at UCLA right now. Yeah, literally, I think that's, that was a question. If they would have covered your buyout... Would you, uh, you know, do, would you think you would have taken the job? And he just straight up is like, uh, yeah, I think I'd be at UCLA right yeah. now. It's Which, like, what? Uh, um, <laughs> respect him for the honesty, but holy cow, that is not something that you typically hear from coaches. Yeah. Um, especially now, I mean, he has a contract with Tennessee. And so I think understandably, I mean, Tennessee fans aren't known for being very understandable, but I think in this situation... <laughs> Uh, it's kind of understandable that they're a little bit upset about these comments because, like, even if it's true, that's probably not what you want to say. That, yeah, I, I would have taken that other job if they'd have just ponied up for the buyout. But uh, here we are. I'm still I, at Tennessee, so it's ridiculous. And I think he even made some kind of comment, maybe after, to to follow up on that about how he was like praying about it or something, and kind of just needed to feel. Uh, what God wanted him to do, and then and it's then like UCLA didn't just, do the buyout. It just so blatantly also says, uh, also UCLA didn't didn't pay me the money I wanted. Well, he so. ba- yeah, well, he basically said that them not not paying the buyout that was, was the, the sign. sign that he needed. That it's like, well, 
Okay. That, yeah, I guess it's a sign, but it's also says that they're not really willing to hire you. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You also probably just should keep that to yourself. Maybe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to, I, it's kind of a scary like, place to be, but I'm trying to like put myself in Tennessee fan shoes and it's just, I would be like, what, why are you just, saying this? It's just a no win situation yeah, to say that exactly. publicly. And it probably won't. I mean, he's still going to coach hard at Tennessee and try to win with, you know, that program, but it does give a little bit of doubt. Like if Tennessee fans did not need any reason to sour on a basketball coach, um, and now they're just thinking even more about how they wish they had Bruce Pearl. I was just about to say that. I was literally just about to say, and now they get to watch Bruce Pearl go to the final four and like have all his success at Auburn. So funny. Um, something I forgot to write down, but we should also talk about is LSU and Will Wade because he's back folks. Um, <laughs> and in a surprising move, LSU reinstated Will Wade. Just an um, absolute joke. <laughs> amid all the controversy. I think I even saw some kind of headline or something. I don't even know, but it was like they re- reinstated him because he denied like any wrongdoing. Like, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're good. Come yeah. on back. Hey, did you do anything wrong? Oh, no, definitely not. Okay, welcome back. Cool, that's what we wanted to hear. Come yeah. on back. Yeah, that that whole situation was very strange. And, and then the LSU AD stepped down. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. And, I, I mean, I kind of, before they, um, before they suspended him, I kind of had the thought that probably nothing would come from this. Because I was looking at past experiences with, um coach miller at, teams that matter yeah coach miller at arizona obviously bill self at kansas it doesn't really it doesn't seem to matter what happens um even to a lesser extent roy williams at north carolina with these programs it's like nobody really cares what happens because it's ha- in air quotes it's happening everywhere that it seems like these programs just kind of say well um can you do us a favor and try not to get caught? Like, can you try to make sure that you're not being recorded when you talk about this stuff, please? You make and, code names next time. Yeah, just something. Don't don't ever say. Well, I guess uh, Will Wade never said anything about dollars. He just talked about offers. But maybe his uh, scholarship offer is just a heck of a deal compared to some other coaches. But, yeah, it was a candy bar. Yeah, I, I can't say I'm shocked by this just because i'm a little bit surprised considering they did suspend him in the first place but i just kind of had a feeling that with all of this going on you're not going to see a lot of programs step up and say you know what we're gonna distance ourselves from this really really good basketball coach i'm honestly i'm surprised because because the fact that they suspended him clearly says we acknowledge there was some wrongdoing here that we're suspending him but I'm I'm not sure what he's done to be back in their good graces because I mean they had a conversation other than him denying that he did anything wrong yeah even they, though it's literally on wiretap of him doing something wrong yeah there was that whole other wrinkle of him not like basically refusing to talk to the administration like right after it <laughs> happened was that why they suspended him is because because he didn't yeah. want to talk okay they said basically um, that the only reason they were suspending him was because he would would not cooperate with them and oh. so basically. Now he cooperated, and it seems like he had all the time that he needed to figure out his what he was exactly what he wanted to say when he wanted to say it, and I guess he came up with the right thing. Well, for future reference, if you ever uh, commit a terrible crime and are about to uh, about to go to jail, just figure out whoever he used as a lawyer, and it sounds like you're gonna be just fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're ever in a situation where you think you might get fired from your job, just walk out the door tell them you're not talking to them until you're ready <laughs> hey we need to talk to you about talk to you about this uh i think you broke some rules uh i don't want to talk about that <laughs> just walk oh, okay. out fine. that's fine yeah whenever you're ready let us know and then you just gotta say hey i didn't do that you're like, oh cool cool welcome back now let's talk about a great coach seems to be a great coach kim english uh former mizzou star he has now been hired on the uh, Rick Barnes staff at Tennessee, taking it back to Rick Barnes. Um, would have been interesting to see what would have happened if uh, Rick Barnes took the UCLA job, if Kim English would have gone along with him there or what the situation there is. But Yeah, uh, definitely a rising star in the coaching community. 
Um, doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's always been a, a talented, well-spoken, intelligent guy. Um, I think it would have been interesting to see what would have happened maybe if Michael Porter Sr. was, well, for whatever reason, not going to be an assistant coach this year. He still might not be. I don't really know what, what's going to happen there. But if that position was open and Kim Anderson – or, excuse me, Kim English. I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> Kim English was uh, was still maybe at his previous job. Who knows? Um, who knows with Kim Anderson? Who knows? Yeah, I think – I, I would love to hire Kim Anderson. <laughs> Let's try that one again. Just kidding. Um, but – yeah, I think he's a bit of a uh, polarized figure, maybe at Mizzou. Uh, just I don't. He I, was he was a big fan of Frank Haith, and a lot of fans were, a lot of Mizzou fans were not big fans of Frank Haith. Yeah. And when he left for the Tulsa job, and it's totally understandable why Kim English and some of those guys were really big Frank Haith fans because he stepped in when their coach had just walked out the door. Sure. And he said, "I'm your guy," you know, and he stood by him. And, and then they had an amazing year. Yeah. Exactly. Won the Big 12 tournament. Um, and he actually followed Frank Haith to Tulsa and was an assistant for him for a little while. Then was uh, most recently an assistant at uh, Colorado and now at Tennessee. So he's kind of working up the ranks as far as an, an assistant. And then it wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him being the head coach at a, a really, I don't know, a low major D1 school right. at some point. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I, I really like Kim English. I, I hope he succeeds, and I think he will. I have no bad feelings towards him whatsoever for defending Frank Haith. I totally understand uh, his position there. Actually, I've met Kim English a couple of times, and he's a really, really nice guy. Um, he, funny story, uh, maybe a few years ago, I was, prob- I was probably in college maybe, and I was uh, here in Springfield, and Kim English was doing some camps around Missouri and stuff like that, and he actually tweeted out, uh, hey, is there anywhere to play pickup ball in Springfield? And so I tweeted him back and said, I just actually happened to be there. I was like, at the YMCA. And I was like, yeah, you could come check out the Y. And sure enough, there he, he nice. comes walking in maybe like an <laughs> hour later and uh, played a little, pick, a little bit of pickup ball. I think uh, Keith Ramsey was with him as well. So that was a pretty cool experience for a big Mizzou fan. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. I was pretty jealous when you told me that story. But, yeah, that's really cool. And – um, just the way that he has not really stuck around at one assistant job for very long, it seems like he is very aggressive at as far as seeking out the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be just a 20-year assistant on right. somebody's staff. He's going to be looking to rise up the ranks and be a head coach himself. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about all these sec players who are testing the nba waters um and i did want to clarify something we talked about jared harper from auburn um, having hired an agent and new this year which i didn't know until just recently players can retain an agent and then still return to school so i found that out in the last week so players like jared harper um, that have hired an agent if their evaluation doesn't go well then they can return to school so, but the SEC right now has a ton of guys who have put their name out as an early entrant to the NBA draft. I would, I'll go through the list real quick, but I would be shocked if more than, I would say about half of these guys are probably going to return to school. Oh yeah. I'd say probably easily half, maybe more. I mean, why not? I yeah. mean, you might as well, if you're obviously, if you've, if you're talented enough to have a shot, why not just go through the. Even if you know you're going back to school, uh, and Jeremiah Tillman announced that he's going to do this, he probably knows he's coming back to school, but it's still going to be a really good experience for him to uh, get some feedback and maybe uh, kind of train with uh, some different people and just kind of get a feel for what his, his future might hold. So let me let me run this list uh, by you real quick, and then we'll, we'll talk about the non-Mizzou guys, and then we'll talk about uh, the two potential uh, draftees for Missouri. So uh, Andrew Nimhard from Florida. Jordan Bone, Grant Williams from Tennessee, Daniel Gafford from Arkansas, Jared Harper from Auburn, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, and P.J. Washington from Kentucky, uh, Tevin Mack from Alabama, Skylar Mays, Nas Reed, Javante Smart, Tremont Waters, and Emmett Williams from LSU, Reggie Perry from Mississippi State, uh, Simi Chateau from Vanderbilt, and Brian Tyree from Ole Miss. 
Uh, first thing that jumps out to me about that list is all those guys from LSU. Imagine if they all ended up leaving. Well, it's very possible that they might, you know, this might be a good opportunity for them to jump ship because there's probably still some uncertainty in the air with what's going to happen with their coach. And they're probably thinking the guy that I, you know, that it recruited me, that I signed on to play with this guy. I don't know if he's going to be here next year. So I might just and get do, out of here. Do I want to, as a player, be in a situation where I'm at LSU when things start to fall apart? Yep. And because it's definitely possible. I mean, you could see a situation where if somebody did stick around and they were caught up in this whole thing that they wouldn't even get to play if they were on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, all, all these guys definitely are good enough to uh, to have a career professionally, but I definitely think that there might be less than five of them if the Will Wade stuff wasn't happening. Yeah. Nas, Nas Reed, I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick. He's, he's gone for sure. Um, I would say the trio from Kentucky, uh, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, P.J. Washington, I'd say they're all gone. Do you think Tyler Hero's gone? I think so. Okay. I, th- I definitely agree with you for sure on, on Keldon Johnson and P.J. Washington. Uh, Hero, I could see it but I wouldn't be shocked if he stayed. He just seems like he has the game, the type of game that the NBA wants right now out of a two guard. And um, he also seems like a guy who is just like relentless. And if somebody gives him a chance, he'll probably prove them right. Great shooter for sure. Yeah. Um, Nimhart at Florida, I'd say he's definitely back at Florida, but it never hurts to, and he kind of, some of these guys, when they make their announcement, they say like they're going to forego their senior season or whatever. Uh, Andrew Nemhard was the opposite of that. He was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to uh, get evaluated by the NBA. Uh, See where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. So he was very upfront saying like, I'm probably not going anywhere, but uh, I'd like to, you know, use this opportunity, which every guy should. Yeah. I Um, think one of the most intriguing guys on this name to me is Grant Williams because He's obviously had such a successful college career, but he's not the prototypical NBA prospect. I mean, obviously, we'll still have a very successful professional career somewhere. Uh, But I think that Grant Williams was gone if Rick Barnes was gone. But since Rick Barnes is back, I could see Grant Williams sticking around. But, I mean, he's been the SEC player of the year two years in a row, which is extremely rare. Yeah, if for, if he did it three years in a row, then that would be that'd be insane, like, incredible. Yeah, but he's um, losing potentially a couple of his sidekicks, definitely at least one of them, in Admiral Schofield. So it'll be interesting to to see who he's going to be playing with next year. It, might, it probably will impact his decision. Yeah, and obviously some of these guys, I mean, he's he's a great example of kind of a a guy that is amazing, an amazing college basketball player, but maybe doesn't have a great fit in the NBA. Um, he he doesn't shoot a ton of threes, so if he could extend his range out to NBA three point uh, three point line, then he could find a home for sure. Yeah, I mean he's almost undersized at the college level, much less right. the NBA level. Yeah, he would basically need to turn himself into a a, a, th- in a guy that can guard threes. Right, which I just don't really see him doing that very well personally. But yeah, yeah, he could he could maybe carve out a role as a undersized stretch four type guy um probably a bench player in the nba but um if he comes back to tennessee then that kind of that would dramatically change their outlook for next year so let's talk about mizzou real quick you mentioned uh jeremiah tillman i think in my opinion it's very safe to say that he will be returning to missouri to missouri next year um i think this is just an information gathering mission on his part. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd put it at ninety nine percent that he's back. But I think it is it's good for him to uh, to see what they say about him. And um, I mean, obviously, we know that he's in foul trouble a lot, but he's super talented uh, and would love to see him come back next year, um, learn how to stay on the floor, and put together a really really impressive season. And I could see him maybe leaving after next year. Yeah, we talked about at the beginning of the season um, how we. After a few games, maybe maybe it was after one game, we did some like way too early uh, assumptions based on one game, and one of them was that uh, we both agreed that Jeremiah Tillman looked like a four-year player after that first game, and I still I still am gonna say that he plays four years, um, but I could definitely see him. Obviously, he no matter what happens this year, he's gonna do the same thing next year and put his name out there yeah. and go through the process again and see what feedback he gets yeah there's really no downside to it 
especially now that you can hire an agent, um, you can, you know, go through the whole process as if you were gone and then just come back to school. I think it's great that they let them do that. I mean, that seems like the, one of the only NCAA rules out there that's like player first kind of thing. And, but it also is, it just makes sense. Like it's common sense. So the fact that you weren't able to before is maybe a little bit strange, but I don't know. I'm not one, I don't want to congratulate the NCAA too much because they're doing something that makes sense. But I know that that's a kind of a, the bar for the NCAA is pretty low right now. I'm sure you know uh, the the what ifs that come to mind if this rule existed maybe five years ago. Um, as far as players that might that oh, might yeah. have come back. So yeah. uh, with Phil Pressy and Jabari Brown, Jordan Clarkson, some of those guys maybe I don't know. Jordan Clarkson was probably gone, but uh, yeah, you got to wonder sometimes what I don't know how much information was available to them at the time versus now. But in a lot of those situations, you still feel like you know common knowledge was saying that you're a fringe draft pick right um, in a lot of those situations just from media people so i don't know what kind of information they get that's different than that but uh, i also want to talk about jante because um, the website that i got this list off of 24 uh, 7 sports they actually listed him as an early entrant um, i don't really think it matters if he is officially or not um, i mean obviously he needs to officially be um, you know, officially put his name out there before Sunday. Um, he may have already. I don't know how that works exactly. If you if you never actually came back and played in college, um, because obviously he set out this entire past season. So I don't know if his name just sticks around in that, however that works. But um, he should do the same thing. I mean, he should see what the feedback is and then make a decision. But we talked... Uh, well, when he re-injured his knee about what his different options were and what we thought might happen. And I've definitely changed my mind a little bit on that. And I completely agree with you that I think the most likely situation is that he comes back and if he ever played for Mizzou again, it would be the tail end of next season. Um, Get out on the floor a little bit when he's fully healthy and try to just look like a basketball player again and then enter the draft after that. So I think that it still wouldn't shock me if he continues the draft process this time and just doesn't care if he is a second-round pick or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, those seem like the two main options now. Yeah, I definitely think that's the most likely scenario that he just uh, says thanks to Mizzou and, and heads off to the NBA and um, just tries to get in the best uh, situation possible because there's teams that know – uh the, the teams know what they're getting into with him i think they know what kind of player he was before the injury um so it's just what what teams can afford a, a bench spot for for a little while and um and you know take a chance on on his potential because i, I think he will be he will be back eventually and he'll he'll have a good career but just what team wants to uh wants to wait on him because it might be a team with a little more uh uh <clears throat> i don't know a, a better team maybe a team that doesn't need immediate help from from newcomers I'm ready to switch gears a little bit and talk about football because football is back, folks. <laughs> Use that twice in one episode. Um, Fine with that. We got to watch the spring game this past Saturday. So we got to see Kelly Bryant, and Ma- Kelly Bryant in a Mizzou uniform for the first time, which was exciting. Um, got to see some of the returning players like Larry Roundtree, Jalen Knox, those type of guys. Uh, Kale Garrett on the defensive end. Um, Jordan Elliott. I mean, just all the guys to be excited about for this upcoming season. Did you have any takeaways? Yeah, I did. Um, the spring game is always fun because we're just in a massive football drought. So it's just kind of fun to get a random like football game in the middle of the spring whenever we still have like several months to go. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the big takeaway is Kelly Bryant looked really good. Um, he played really well. Uh, he looked very comfortable. Um, he looked like he already had a couple of guys that he likes to go to. Um, I was very impressed. And honestly, like even in the past, like spring games, and I want to preface that before I say anything too drastic, that uh, the spring game is very meaningless. And it, for the most part, it's just a practice almost. But um, in the past, I've, I've felt like Drew Locke has been very un- underwhelming in spring games in the past. And that probably means literally nothing. 
but Kelly Bryant, he played quite a bit. He played more snaps than Drew Locke has in the past couple years in the spring game. Like they played him the whole first half, and I think even a series in the second half. So, uh, and and he didn't even get to show off his ability really to run. So there's a whole other aspect of the game that uh, that he offers that we didn't even get to see. So I'm really excited uh, about him. Obviously, we already all all of us were already, but um, it was just good to see him actually put something together. Um, it was it, one like the the very first thing I noticed about him. Well, it's I mean, more almost more about Drew Locke really than than Kelly Bryant, but just the difference in the way the ball comes off the quarterback's hand. Like for the past four years, we've seen the ball come out of Drew's hand with just that insane zip on the ball, mm-hmm. almost sometimes to a, a fault. I think right. uh, the ball it looks like it's moving so slow now, but. Um, I don't know. That's not a bad thing. It's just kind yeah, of a it's, funny it's, observation. It's definitely different, and it, you can tell. I mean, yeah, like you said, after watching Drew Lock for however many years now, you just you're so used to that lightning quick release, and it just looks so perfect. Right. Like the perfect way to throw a football. That's what Drew Lock's been doing, pretty much. And when you see Kelly Bryant with a little bit more of a wind up, a little bit slower to get the ball out, it's just like, okay, you know, this is a different guy. He's not the not going to be the prolific passer that you know technically perfect guy that drew lock was um but i mean if he can just put it in receivers hands when where they can make plays that's all he needs to do yeah i mean and even drew lock would struggle sometimes with throwing it a little bit behind a guy or not 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 putting it on him where he can make a play after the catch always so yeah arm talent is definitely one only one small piece of the puzzle so um, excited what what Kelly's going to bring to the uh, to the table, and I mean he still showed off that he has got a full arsenal of throws. I mean mm-hmm. he made those the quick out passes, and he threw on the run. He threw a couple of deep balls. He he still has very much the ability to uh, to throw balls all over the field very quickly and accurately. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, which of the receivers kind of develop a chemistry with him because I think when you watch the spring game, he was definitely obviously moving outside the pocket sometimes a little too early in my opinion you know the play hadn't broken down but he kind of escaped the pocket and the receivers that can adjust their route you know and come back towards the ball and can improvise a little bit with kelly bryant i think those are going to be the guys that you see um, making those clutch catches and really getting in a rhythm with kelly bryant during an, an actual game situation people players that can read the field and make themselves open and Barrett Bannister was doing that in the spring game I don't know how many opportunities he'll see during the regular season but that's if players want to look at an example watch him in the spring game because he was coming back to the ball really well and making himself open when Kelly Bryant was getting outside the pocket yeah uh Barrett Bannister definitely is one of those guys that just kind of always seems to know exactly what to do um always seems to be right in the the right place he catches everything kind of one of those um high floor kind of guys like he may not have a super high ceiling like he's not gonna explode for some insane season probably but not gonna outrun a ton of dbs once right. he catches it but. but he's gonna be a really reliable target on third down you know maybe not consistently this season but i think in the future he's gonna be kind of our third down guy who maybe saves us out of uh, some some sticky situations in the future but uh definitely two names come to mind as guys who i think will have a really good year as wide receivers and uh, one of them is Jalen Knox. I, I just he's an incredibly talented prospect. He had a great freshman season. Um, he works harder probably than anybody else on the team. Uh, I think he's he's uh, he's going to have a, a really good year. And then another guy that we've heard quite a bit about is Jonathan Nance, who came in as a graduate transfer from Arkansas. Uh, I think he was their leading receiver last year, but he's still just kind of average, just kind of a guy. Uh, and so definitely thought that he would come in and maybe provide some depth. Um, some senior leadership but I've heard some really really good things about him in the spring camp and practices so I, I would look for him to uh, to have a pretty large role as well um, and then obviously Alberto so we oh yeah so uh, there Kelly's gonna have options for sure I mean we've we've known that yeah and even uh, throwing it to the to the running backs I mean they they showed last year that they're more than capable of handling that and just the running game itself I just think uh, obviously we're really excited about this offense and what it could possibly do i think they can really do a lot of damage in the sec this season yeah i mean keep keep those uh those staple guys healthy i mean larry roundtree is the heart and soul of this team i mean he's just i think he's gonna have a monster year and there's so many so many talented guys on this offense but honestly one of my biggest takeaways at least 
uh, from the way I felt from the spring game was that the defense looked very quick and athletic and uh, some of those guys are really stepping up you know and this I think the safeties are really coming around um, I, I think the defense is gonna have a better year this year and I, I mean we've heard amazing things about Jordan Elliott I mean mm-hmm. potentially one of the best de- defensive tackles ever to be at Mizzou I mean right. that's some pretty high praise yeah. so uh, I, I really like I think we're gonna like the defense a lot more this year um, so it, just Barry Odom clearly likes this team more than I think his teams of the past. I mean, these are his guys now, and uh, he's got a little bit of stability on the coaching staff. It just kind of seems like everything is kind of culminating a little bit better than it has in the last few years. So, I'm excited. I'm I'm super <laughs> pumped. Okay, so uh, last thing I really have to talk about is the NFL draft because uh, I think we're gonna be going to every other week uh, during this kind of slower season, um, and then it won't last very long. We'll be right back to weekly. Um, when it gets closer to football season, but um, obviously the the big name for this year is Drew Locke. We've talked about him so much. Um, do you want to give a prediction of where you think he'll get he'll get picked? Yeah, I don't even know if I could predict a team just with all the trades and crap that could happen. But um, I think he will be a top twelve pick. I think it's very possible that he goes at ten to Bron- to the Broncos. Except I almost think there's too much hype around that <laughs> yeah so um i don't know i think there's a lot of teams out there that need a quarterback right now and could could potentially draft him and, or maybe could trade up and grab him i also think that patrick mahomes has the, the the chiefs and patrick mahomes have pretty much given a fantastic blueprint of how to maybe work a new quarterback into an nfl team you know let him sit behind a veteran and then come in and kind of take over the team after a year or two of, of sitting behind him. So I also think that it's it's possible that teams like the Giants uh, maybe pick him up where they've got maybe one more year of Eli Manning. The Broncos also, I mean, have one potentially one year of Joe Flacco. Uh, teams like that, I think, are also potential teams that, that might want to pick him up and let him have a year of development. I'm going to predict the Giants at six just because I really? want to see him. Uh, that would be, I think, the most fun place to root for him when you look at the top 10. I'd yeah. I, I think it comes down to where where do teams have him ranked as far as the other quarterbacks go? Because he's very, very clearly in the top three. But you've got Kyler Murray and you've got Dwayne Haskins who are kind of, I would say, universally accepted, at least by national analysts, as probably one and two, and then Drew Locke at three. That's not always how the teams think. Right. That's definitely not uh, how the how the teams think. And not every analyst thinks that way, but some of the big names of the mock drafts and stuff you, you hear about probably have it one, two, three that way. But that's what makes the draft so fun is just because the teams are so unpredictable. And they've got— and They're so desperate for quarterbacks. I right. mean, <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals are probably going to pick another quarterback at one. Mm-hmm. I mean— It's very possible. I mean, they've got a whole new coaching staff. Yeah. So it's a whole new regime as it, than it was last year uh, when they picked— that guy, Josh Rosen, that, that quarterback, yeah, that, that guy, they have Josh, now. that guy, Josh Rosen. But um, I, I don't know. I, I personally, I uh, think it's a, it would be a mistake to pick Kyler Murray one overall. But that is that's a hot take for me. So I, I don't think it's that hot. But a lot oh, of people okay. would. I don't know. I, I don't see it from him. But I, I don't personally. Um, but maybe I'm blinded with my uh, black and gold glasses. But yeah, we'll see. Um, who, who else uh, from Mizzou do you want to talk about for the as far as the NFL draft goes? Other guys I think that have a, a pretty good chance to get drafted. I think Emmanuel Hall and Terry Beckner both for sure get drafted. I think Emmanuel Hall is a second-day guy and Terry Beckner is a third-day guy. Um, I think Hall could get drafted as early as the third round. Um, he did really, really well in his uh, kind of his performance metrics and stuff like that, and he obviously has been a big part of Missouri's uh, season the last couple of years. So. Um, other guys who I think c- could get drafted, uh, Kendall Blanton, Paul Adams, uh, Demaria Crockett, maybe he even, he had a pretty good pro day. So I feel like I'm forgetting Therese Hall. Uh, I, I would say one of those four guys gets drafted and maybe, maybe two. Uh, but some of those guys will probably be looking at, uh, undrafted free agency, but a lot of really talented guys, um, and that's what's going to make this year's draft. I think, honestly, I'll probably keep an eye on all three days of the draft just because, uh, I mean, Missouri could have as much as five or six guys go, mm-hmm. which is, just would be really, really great to see. Yeah. And Missouri's kind of been 
sneaky, you know, uh, as far as how many draft picks they've had in the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, they are always kind of not, they're not thought about in that way. But then when you see those lists, they're always up there. It's like where the whole Mizzou made like mantra came yeah, from. Exactly. So um, I hope they, I mean, they're definitely going to continue that to some extent, but hopefully it's, you know, like you said, five or six guys getting drafted. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. The draft is always a really fun event, especially that first night. And it just makes it even more special when, when you've got a, such a big part of your program in Missouri, you know, Drew Locke has been just a staple of Missouri program. Uh, it'll be really, really special to see him get drafted and, um, hopefully, uh, yeah, that'd be great to see him go top five or six. That'd be amazing. So I definitely think that it's possible. All right. I think that's all I have for everyone. Um, you got anything else? It's going to be a little bit. We're going to be, it was a little bit longer break this time because we went back to Thursday um, now that the NCAA tournament is over, but we'll be every other week for here for the, for the foreseeable future. But then when uh, football season comes back around, we start previewing the team. We won't be able to help ourselves. We'll, we'll want to get in here and talk for an hour a week about it. Yep, definitely. Um, barring some breaking, insane yeah, breaking news. If there's some big news, you know, we'll hop back in here and, and get, get our takes recorded for you guys. Get a little surprise pod for you. Yeah. But uh, that's it for this week, though. Um, so you can find it on. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can tweet us at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.